Hello, Internet. My name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And we've got a big screen verdict podcast this week. Oh, it's huge. We love our TV. And it's the TV Awards, the Emmys. The Emmy Awards, the biggest awards in television. Um, we're covering them again this year. Very exciting. And we've got the biggest guest for the biggest awards. We've got a very special guest. The uh, chief, the head of goldderby.com, which is the leading Emmy website for Emmy coverage. And also, he's the author of the book on the Emmys. The, the only book on the Emmys he wrote. So he's literally written the book on the, the things. Um, and I'm holding that book right now. So, Tom, how are you going? Pretty good. I'm excited because I think we're going to see some upsets uh, this year. I remind you, by the way, Matt, we did terrible last year. Every year, <laughs> uh, the, our little editorial team says, ha, 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 we're so much smarter than the alleged experts who participate at Gold Derby. You know, we pool the predictions of the journalists from Entertainment Weekly and TV Guide and and every year we normally go, ha, 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 they're a bunch of idiots because they don't look at the episode submissions to the jurors. They don't do their homework, and we do. But I remind you, Matt, we got killed by the experts last year, so <laughs> there's lots of humble pie to eat now. Mm, yeah, I think they got lucky, but uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> see this year if we, if, we lose, if we lose again. So, yeah, it's uh, pretty good. We've got um, Jimmy Kimmel hosting this year, don't we, Tom? Um, are, you mm-hmm. exci- are you excited about uh, Jimmy Kimmel? Yeah, I think he's the only choice they had because the show is being produced by ABC and they're looking for an ABC star. Traditionally, they look in the late night uh, slot, so that's him. They didn't give it to him three years ago, and there was a lot of outrage over that. So, And his star has risen a lot in recent years. And, by the way, I think he's going to fuel one of the biggest upsets on Emmy Night. I think he's going to beat Jon Stewart, and finally that Daily Show juggernaut will come to a halt. Whoa! <laughs> That's my prediction, yes. You've been saying that no one's ever going to beat Jon Stewart. They've got, like, the biggest heart on for Jon Stewart at the Emmys. <laughs> what, why have you changed your opinion? <laughs> well, when I looked at the actual episodes the other day, I, I know last year Stewart handed in a dud, the uh, episode where he made fun, made fun of Roland Martin's uh, ascot yes. from CNN, and it was really bad, and it was so bad. <laughs> but it's it nonetheless won... But, and we thought for sure if he's going to lose any time, he's going to lose last year. But I think he's actually surpassed the boringness <laughs> and patheticness of his Emmy submission this year with this snooze fest interview he has with the U.S. Secretary of Education where they talk about uh, you know, No Child Left Behind. It's, just, it's not even a good discussion of No Child Left Behind. And then they have this t- offensive, endless alleged, in quotes, comedy skit of this black guy uh, making making bad ethnic jokes about Asians and blacks. And you just, when you think it will never end, it just keeps going on and on and on. Now, if this doesn't lose, finally, it's unbeatable. Mm. And Kimmel, meanwhile, submitted the episode of where uh, it was the live post-Oscar show with Oprah Winfrey. So, I mean, it, isn't she just like, you can't beat? It's Oprah, it's an automatic win at the Emmys. Mm. Yeah. Um, Jonathan, you excited for Jimmy Kimmel? Do you think You'd like to see him upset John Stewart? I'm not a huge Jimmy Kimmel fan. I'm a little indifferent. I kind of think of him as, in newsroom, we had Jeff Daniels referred to, because he's so inoffensive and middle of the road, the Jay Leno of news. I kind of view... I was going to say Jimmy Kimmel's the Jay Leno of talk shows, but <laughs> Jay Leno's probably the Jay Leno of talk shows. Jay Leno is definitely the Jay Leno of talk shows. 
You yeah. stand corrected, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I view him as somewhat also middle of the road. Yeah, well, uh, Jimmy Kimmel has been the Jay Leno of talk shows because one episode he, ca- he came on stage dressed as Jay Leno and just did a Jay Leno impersonation for the whole episode. So, um, yeah, I quite like Jimmy Kimmel. I think he's one of the funnier talk show hosts in the States. So it'd be a bit annoying to see him win beat Jon Stewart and not Colbert because I'm such a big Stephen Colbert fan and it'd be a shame for uh, not to see Colbert be the guy who upsets Jon Stewart. But, uh, yeah, Kimmel, I wouldn't mind him winning and I think he'll do a good job as host. Yeah, I think it's a, it'll be a good show that way. Mm. Uh, definitely better than those reality hosts they got to host last time at ABC and the Yeah, that was, that, that was the ultimate low standard in all of Emmy hosting. Yeah, it was pretty awful. So, let's, let's get stuck into the races. We're going to go through the comedy races now. And we were going to start with the race for supporting actor in a comedy series. I'll run you through the contenders, uh... Jonathan, and then might get your thoughts uh, on these guys, okay? We've got Ty Burrell from Modern Family. We've got Ed O'Neill from Modern Family. We've got Jesse Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family. We've got Eric Stone Street from Modern Family. We've got Max Greenfield from New Girl and Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live. Seems there's going to be two different opinions on this category. I feel it's going to be fairly affected by your thoughts on Modern Family. Seeing it's got four of the six nominees. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of Modern Family. Oh. So I've lost a fair amount of interest <laughs> in a good chunk of this race. I'd say of the four nominated from Modern Family, Ty Burrell is my favourite. Mm-hmm. I don't really watch the show, but when I do, it's usually his character that's able to make me laugh. He won last year. Max Greenfield from New Girl, not really that into New Girl either. I think it's a pretty lightweight. I think it's pretty soft, uh, not really my type of show. And Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live, I guess as part of, as he's part of a sketch show and just his type of humour as well, is pretty hit or miss. I see him in some movies, he's great, some movies, he's terrible. Same in Saturday Night Live. He's got to be my favourite though, just because he's the <laughs> only one that at least semi-regularly makes me laugh. Okay, so you're not too riveted about this category, I can tell. Um, Tom, what do, what do you think about this supporting actor lineup? Most people do think that Ty Burrell is ahead here, but mm. I uh, ran a little mock judging panel with my nieces and nephews a few weeks ago well, in Cleveland, Ohio. And I made them watch all the episode submissions, and then we voted using the exact same voting method that the Emmys use. And uh, Eric Stone Street came in first with every single person in the room. So I, so I immediately changed my vote to Eric Stone Street in this category. And I think he will win um, because he's. this is a case of where you win based on the episodes submitted by your co-stars, remember, mm. because the judges here will see four Eric Stone Street performances, four Ty Burrell performances. So that means one of the Modern Family people will win here mm. as a result. Whenever you have a, a, a number of people from one category, from one show nominated in one category, we've done the statistics, they almost always win somebody from that show. Mm. But here's the wild card, and it's what Mayhem Gold Derby has caused this year in the Emmy race, and it's this, and that is, when we were discussing this in one of our Slugfest videos, you and I, Mm. a few weeks ago, I was mentioning how I had done this mock judging panel with my nieces and nephews, and we were watching the episode that Max submitted, which was uh, called Bad in Bed, 
where he gets drunk and he jumps in a pool and all these kinds of things. Mm. And then uh, you, I believe, or one of one of you guys said, no, 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 Tom, that's not what he submitted. It's mm. control. Yeah. And I said, no, I'm, I, I know exactly what he submitted because I have in my hand right now, and I pointed it to the camera, this is the actual Emmy disc that the voters look at, and I've looked at it, and it's bad in bed. So the, the rep for Max Greenfield was watching this video of us talking, freaked out and called me the next day and said, we insist that you issue a, uh, clear, you know, a retraction of what you said. I said, I'm not issuing any retraction. It's true. <laughs> I, it, this is exactly what's on that disc. If you don't believe me, call the TV Academy. Anyway, there was all this drama and all kinds of denials about, finally we figured out what happened, and that was that at the, at the production plant where the DVDs are stamped and, and distributed, the two New Girl episodes were swapped. The one for uh, Max Greenfield went to Zoe Deschanel's stack, and the one in Zoe's went to Max's. So what they've had to do in the last so many days since we discovered this mistake is throw out all the ballots for uh, those two categories and do a, a new – they've mailed all the new the correct DVDs to the voters at home. They've told them, hurry up, get it in on September 17th. So now this look is the where problems I think the you've NBA caused, Tom. Look, look what you've created. <laughs> I know it's great, and it, it may very well change the outcome. Because think of this: you're sitting at home, you as a voter, you're the damn DVD show up again, and you think, "Come on, didn't I voted for this already? What the hell are these doing here again? Mm-hmm. I got rid of these." And then it says, "Well, there was a screw up. You have to watch at least Matt, uh, Max Greenfield's again." And so, what if you and you're obliged to? You're, it's your duty. You have to sign a legal affidavit and all this. So anyway, you're gonna, so you watch it, okay. Well, now all of a sudden that's top of mind. Isn't that top of ballot too? And maybe not in this case, but it, when we get to Zoe Deschanel, I think, yeah, that was close enough where she could have won anyway. Uh, I did have Julia Louis-Dreyfus there, but if they're getting these DVDs and they have to watch one and then they have to vote again, that's what, what we did to this race mm. could mean that Max, Max actually wins. Yeah, and if he does, if he if he does win, it'll be because of us. Yeah, so uh, Max send us some nice uh, things if muffin you, basket, you right. a muffin basket. Yeah. I'd be accidentally sending out the wrong tapes in future. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I would too. Yeah, so well, um, I, and actually, like looking at this race, I, I don't hate Modern Family, but I don't love it. So again, I'm not too excited about this category. No one's really. Popping for me. I like Ty Burrell a lot, but he did win last year. I quite like Max Greenfield in New Girl. I wouldn't mind to see him uh, actually pull it out, to be honest. I think him or Burrell, and I do like Jesse Tyler Ferguson in Modern Family too. So those those sort of the three I wouldn't mind seeing win. Uh, The other three I'd be a little disappointed with. I think I'm going to predict Ty Burrell, though. He won last year. I think people really like his character. He's in four tapes. I think he's the one I'll go with. Who you, who you, you're going with Stone Street, aren't you, Tom? Yeah, I'm going to stick with Stone Street here and then bet on Zoe in the lead actress race because of the tape screw-up. Are you, Tom, um, going to get, like, if Stone Street doesn't win, are you going to get really mad at your, like, nephews and nieces for steering <laughs> you down the wrong path? <laughs> idiots, yeah. yeah. No, I'll just say, now we have proof that they're idiots. We've only suspected <laughs> the next family gathering. Just get them up and say, <laughs> look at these idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. They told me to pick Eric Stone Street. Yeah, okay. Um, let's move on to now supporting. Oh, who are you predicting, Jonathan? I think they might like to distribute it to another Modern Family oh. actor. I might pick Stone Street as well. Oh. 
Um, okay, let's move to supporting actress in a comedy now. If you're not a huge fan of Modern Family, Jonathan, um, don't worry. There's only two in this one. <laughs> so, there's Julie Bowen from Modern Family, Sophia Vergara from Modern Family, Kristen Wiig from Saturday Night Live, Catherine Houston from Desperate Housewives, Mayim Bialik from The Big Bang Theory, and Merritt Weaver from Nurse Jackie. Jonathan, you weren't too excited about the last one. Are you just really excited about supporting actress? I'm trying to think of a less positive phrase than weren't too excited. <laughs> um, no, none of these shows are, are any of my favourites that I particularly watch. I think of these, Kristen Wiig is the only person I'd say I'm a fan of. I think she can be quite funny. To be honest, when I, I heard Catherine Justin was nominated, I was like, wow, Desperate Housewives is still a TV show. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm thinking this is a pretty weak, weak category. Um, I'm not sure how good her chances are, but I'll be rooting for Kristen Wiig. Okay. Uh, she submitted the final, the Saturday Night Live, her final episode yes, on the she's show. She's leaving. Yeah, she's leaving, so yeah. she waves goodbye to everyone. Tom, what do you think about this lineup? Yeah, well, Kristen Wiig has no chance at all. Perhaps be really weak. It's, it's the problem with these sketch comedy shows that there's not a full-bodied performance with, with a narrative plot. And when you see that up against a, a Modern Family performance or something, you can see why the sketch comedy shows have never won here and probably never will. Hmm. In my little poll, my niece and nephew poll, there was a tie between cool. Julie Bowen and Catherine Houston. And what was interesting is I asked everybody in the room, there were, what, five or six of us, to vote based on uh, pretend you're an actor, just like the Emmys, TV Academy, and the actual voters, and you're you're doing your ranking. How would you rank these? And then we had this tie. And then afterwards, they all said, oh, well, it's obvious that Catherine Houston's going to win. And I I said, wait a minute. If I had asked you the question to rank these based on who you think would win, you all, everybody in this room would say Catherine Houston but I'm asking you to pretend you're an actor and rank them the way they think, and then it's a tie. And they said yes. It was a really interesting way to break this category down. So it's hard that way. I think Catherine Houston is going to win because the same reason they were saying it, too, is she not only uh, died of lung cancer 20 days after this episode aired, where she dies, her character dies of lung cancer, but she was a beloved leader of the TV Academy itself. She was a three-time member of the Board of Governors, a former member of the executive committee, and she was always there. Whenever you went to the TV Academy for a meeting, there was Catherine making the coffee in the corner. There she was. Yeah, I remember one morning being at the TV Academy at 7 a.m. No, not at the TV. I mean at the uh, Emmy ceremony at the Nokia at 7 a.m. The guys are rolling down the red carpet. Well, there was Catherine helping these big, fat old men roll down this carpeting, and she was even going to help with that, you know. And so... That means a lot. It's sometimes behind the scenes stuff is is why people end up pulling off upsets at awards. I think of Kathy Bates at the Oscars is a good example. And these factors are important here. But uh, I think in this case, she also deserves to win. She's handed in the finale of Desperate Housewives, which is a two episode show of two hours, in which her character begins the two hours and ends the two hours to the tune of a Johnny Mathis song. It's very touching. So I think. I think she's got it. Okay. Catherine, uh, yeah, I'd be a bit worried uh, if Mark Cherry, the creative Rousewives, is like, 
killing me off with some form of cancer in his scripts because uh, that was not a good omen <laughs> for Catherine Houston. So, yeah, as, as Tom turned you around on Catherine Houston, Jonathan? Even though I'm a fan of uh, Kristen Wiig, I don't think her take was the best. I don't think she is likely to win. I'm just a fan of her in general. I think Houston is quite likely to win. If it, I think it's perhaps between her and Julie Bowen, and I think I would prefer her to take it over Bowen. And look, it will be a nice reminder for America that Desperate Housewives is on the past year. So, <laughs> um, again, I'm a bit with you, Jonathan. Not hugely excited about it. I don't mind Julie Bowen in Modern Family, but uh, she did win last year, so doesn't not really that excited to see her win this year again. But yeah, she's probably my favourite in the lineup too. I do have a lot of affection for Catherine Giston. Uh, because she was Mrs. Landingham on the West Wing. The West Wing bump. Yeah, the West Wing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, um, she was great in that. But uh, Mary, yeah, but remember, remember the, uh, the posthumous people don't win, though. Mm. We always say, oh, they're, they're, they're certainly, you know, when Phil Hartman was murdered, mm. never said, of course he's going to win. Or when um, uh, Jessica Tandy died, they said, oh, of course she's going to win. Well, they, they didn't. Uh, there's only one case at Raul Julia, I think, in the past 15 or 20 years where somebody died and then they, act, they ended up winning posthumously. So it's very rare. It happens, you know, just happened with Heath Ledger at the Oscars, mm. and it happened, of course, with Peter Finch before that. But it happens very rarely at the Emmys, and I think it's one more example of cruel Hollywood, you know, out of sight, out of mind, get out of my face. You know? <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so Tom's predicting Catherine Houston. I'm predicting Julie Bowen. Who are you predicting, Jonathan? Houston. Houston too. Okay. Let's um, let's move along to lead, lead actor in a comedy series. Okay. Here are the nominees. We got Louis C.K. from Louis. We got Jim Parsons from The Big Bang Theory. We got Larry David from Kerber Enthusiasm. We've got Alec Baldwin from 30 Rock. We've got Don Cheadle from House of Lies and John Cryer from Two and a Half Men. Jonathan, your initial reactions here. I think we're all just hoping and praying for a third Jim Parsons win in a row. That's really all that we can... No? Okay. Um, I'm a huge fan of, in particular, Larry David and Alec Baldwin. I thought 30 Rock, this was not his best season. Whereas I think Curb, surprising in his eighth season, was one of the strongest. I know you disagree with me on this one, Matt, but I really yeah. like this season of Curb. And I think Larry David is far and away my favourite to win this category. Um, and he submitted the Palestinian chicken episode. Do you remember that? I think it would be hard to choose a bad tape of this season, to be honest, but that's, that's a funny one. Tom, what do you think? Well, the Palestinian chicken ep- episode has a great advantage in the fact that he's sympathetic. The problem with the character is he's such a weasel. He's such a son of a bitch as a character. It's hard to root for him. Now, it does make the show very funny. But remember, this character was George Costanza on Seinfeld, and that was the only character there that didn't win an Emmy, right? Well, Jerry so, Seinfeld didn't win, Tom. Well, he, yeah, he won for producing and writing, oh, okay. not for performance. Okay. That's true, yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, you're right. But, he was, but the reason... Costanza's uh, Jason Alexander number one was because Costanza was so despicable. In Palestinian Chicken, Larry David wants to get laid so bad by this hot chick who runs the uh, the restaurant that he saw suddenly 
you know, waving the peace flag between Palestine and Israel. He's ready to, you know, pick up the settlements off the West Bank and move them just so he can get in the sack with this. It's really funny. He's so, yeah. it, it looks noble. It's very clever. And it was one of those half hours of TV this past year that everybody in Hollywood talked about. So often the stand-up comedians don't win. But I remember years ago when uh, Ray Romano, we all wrote off uh, in that best comedy actor category, and he ended up winning. Uh, the rule is that they don't win, but I think he's very much in the, in the uh, running here. But we have that other stand-up comic, of course, Louis C.K. here, who submitted the Duckling episode where he's... Uh, off to entertain the troops in Afghanistan, and there's a stowaway duckling in his gear, and it ends up, uh, speaking of triggering international peace, when he confronts these Arabs in the desert, and uh, everyone just looks at the little duckling and goes, oh, it's so cute, you know, and they all put their guns away and suddenly stop wanting to kill each other. But um, it's also, it's a double episode, it's double long, and the uh, he's the cool kid right now. He's what he's, everybody who's rooting for Louis C.K., uh, in Hollywood, so it's, that's a factor that's very important here. I don't think uh, Jim Parsons has a prayer this year. Oh. This episode was stupid. It's about his, <laughs> him getting a haircut, and plus last year he had two episodes. He had his co-star John and Glucky submitting, so he had that multiple episode thing going for him. Two years ago when he won, he had a drunk episode during which he was accepting an award, and he was the cool kid in town in Hollywood in those days. So I think that Forget Jim Parsons this year. Forget Alec Baldwin, Cheadle. Uh, John Cryer is a candidate here because his episode is quite funny. But uh, oh, I hated that episode. <laughs> oh, did you? Okay. Uh, but, but still, a lot of people do like it, and yeah. he did pull off a surprise in supporting category. He's moved up to lead now, which is quite courageous. Mm. Uh, so it's going to have its support. I, and overall, I think Louis C.K. takes it, but I think that uh, Larry David is so close here really close and could pull off a winnie jim parsons plays the bongo drums in his tape though tom that's not gonna oh yeah you. of course yeah, yeah for, that's an emmy winning move yeah <laughs> bongo who's the last uh emmy winner that played the bongos <laughs> when matthew mcconaughey played them he ended up in jail didn't he <laughs> <laughs> He was naked and smoking pot with his boyfriend. <laughs> Maybe it was the nudity and smoking pot that got him in jail, not the bongos. <laughs> oh, what do you, uh, Louis C.K. is the cool kid, Jonathan. Uh, what do you think of the Louis C.K. and the Louis show? I can sort of see the appeal of Louis. I've watched some of Louis, but I think what will prevent him perhaps from winning is the fact that the show isn't funny. It's just a very depressing, dry, slow drama that doesn't make me laugh and just makes me quite sad. And then there's some little bits of stand-up in between to kind of convince me that in some way this show is a comedy. Uh, so to win the lead actor in the comedy category, I'm going to hope, and I'm also going to predict that it's Larry David. Okay. We should be giving the military, like, little ducks to take overseas with them because that seems to stop any conflicts like just showing a little <laughs> duck yeah have you seen have you seen house of lies jonathan with don Cheadle? i watched an episode and didn't come back to it i don't mind don Cheadle, but i can't see him being a factor here yeah he's very douchey <laughs> like this character he makes larry david look lovable <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah 
yeah, so there we go. There we go. I think that's uh, lead out. Oh, who, who, so you, who, are you predicting Louis C.K., Tom? Yeah, I'm going with Louis yeah. C.K. Well, I'm going to go Larry David. I think Larry David's going to pull it out here. So let's go to uh, probably one of the one of the toughest races in the Emmys this year. Lead actress in a comedy series. We've got Julia Louis-Dreyfus from Veep. We've got Amy Poehler from Parks and Recreation. We've got Zoe Deschanel from New Girl. We've got Lena Dunham from Girls. We've got Tina Fey from 30 Rock. Melissa McCarthy from Mike and Molly. And Edie Falco from Nurse Jackie. Jonathan, what do you think of this lineup? There's seven. Seven, yeah. What's going on here, Matt? Uh, there must have been a sort of tie for sixth or something like that. So Craziness. Yeah. Well, Melissa McCarthy and Edie Falco, I think I can just rule out. They're the two last winners. Yeah. They won the last two years. But I'm going to rule them out anyway. Uh, everyone else on the list I have somewhat of interest in. I really like Tina Fey, but again, 30 Rock, not a stronger season. Zoe Dachanel, I can kind of see the appeal of. She's very cute. She's got that sort of indie hipster appeal, but I don't think... I think it's a little bit more like sort of style over substance. I don't think... The show is that great. I don't think uh, she should really win here. Lena Dunham, in our girls, Beat vs. Girls review, I wasn't the biggest fan, but she definitely has a lot of buzz around her. People seem to be liking the girls at the moment. They're doing a bit something a bit different. Amy Poehler, I really like Parks and Recreation, but I can't see her winning this year because I don't think Parks got nominated uh, for Best Comedy Series. No. So I'd be surprised if she were able to take it uh, with that. For me, it's got to be Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I love Veep. I think Veep's great. I think she's great in Veep. She's my number one pick here, easily. Okay. Tom? Uh, I had had Julia up in the first position before this uh, episode screw up. And then I had Tina Fey in second. And I have her in second because she gives the surprise performance among these seven gals where she... Pretend she's a crazy bag lady in order to get good seats on the subway and in, in movie theaters and so forth because people just scatter and leave her alone. And uh, it's really, really classic Lucille Ball type over-the-top uh, comedic performance mm-hmm. that is a real pleasant surprise when you're judging this category. It's really over-the-top uh, kind of vaudeville comedy that's a delight, and you don't get to see Tina Fey do that and get in costume wigs and things and then play her other character, you know, Liz Lemon, at the same time. So it's a, it's a delightful surprise, and it's a big, big thing that I think she could pull off an upset here. I think Julie Louis Dreyfus, though, has it all where it really is. Uh, it's, you well know, Matt, being a West Wing fan, they, uh, they're snobs at the Emmys. They love their, their very classy kind of things. And Veep is the West Wing with laughs, of course. So uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus has won twice before. In this episode, she gets two crying scenes. There's a good case to be made for Julia, but I was being very watchful of Tina and very, very leery of Julie, of, uh, excuse me, Edie Falco, because the other thing that they're suckers for at the Emmys is substance abuse. And her episode is very, very teary, where she's in a rehab center trying to escape or, or get her daughter in, smuggle her daughter in. And it, it's this big, big in, in, in Hollywood. <laughs> I know, but in, but in Hollywood, everyone just, you know, casual conversation in this town is, uh, who's your astrologer? What does your therapist say? And which step are you working on? I mean, it's just unbelievable. Everybody talks about the 12-step programs that we're in. The whole, 
addiction. Not not Charlie uh, Sheen, Tom. Yes, we'll see. He was uh, exactly. Yeah. So the whole thing with Edie Falco, you know, really res- the whole substance abuse thing here really resonates. It's probably why she won two years ago and could win again. However, after that long monologue. Sorry to put you through it. I'm going for Zoe because I think this is one more time when Gold Derby, as it has many times in the past, affected the outcome of a top Emmy race. And this year, Zoe, that bitch, better thank us from the podium. <laughs> um, Tom, about the guy you're saying, Lena Dunham had this in the bag, like because she yeah, know, well, eats cake at the end of it or something, and yeah, now she's not even in your discussion. Think, yes, good point. I'm glad you're calling me on that because. Yeah. Lena Dunham's her, her episode sucks up until like the last ten minutes, and then it's very, very teary. She has this this heart rending confrontation with her boyfriend outside at night, and she's talking about you know screaming about the meaning of life, and then she has this teary scene at the end where she goes and plops down and on the beach of Coney Island just stuffs this wedding cake in her face, and it's very, very poignant. And as she's stuffing the cake in her face, you know these these. Titles pop up and say, produced by Lena Dunham, written by Lena Dunham, directed by Lena Dunham, starring Lena Dunham. And so that's very appealing to the members of the actors branch uh, who are watching these episodes because they want to do all those things. They love the multi-hyphenates. So, yeah, at first I was thinking that would tip the balance, but I rethought it. I think it's down to Zoe and or Julie Weidreifus with Tina Fey as the potential spoiler. Yeah, last year, Melissa McCarthy was a bit of a shock. Uh, to all of us, no one's expecting her to get up there. Um, I think her tape this year is even worse than her tape last year. Um, <laughs> yes. I just found it so, there's a scene in it where I don't know this doesn't include Melissa McCarthy, but Mike's talking to his mate, and Mike's saying, "Hey, uh, what's her name? But Molly, Molly, she's she seems to care about her wedding so much, and the guy needs to explain to him why a woman would care about a wedding." And I just thought, just, just, this is like the worst writing I've ever like seen in a sitcom. That like, what was he? Was he comparing to the first time like Mike had a donut or something like that? Like it was just, mm-hmm. just awful. But yeah, no, the Tina Fey's got a good one with the. Uh, she sort of ends up playing the Joker from Batman by the end of the episode, which is sort of fun. Um, I definitely can see a threat there. Uh, Edie Falco. Yeah, it's pretty dramatic um, if the panel's into that sort of thing. Lena Dunham has a lot of buzz. Um, Amy Poehler, maybe she's a bit overdue. She's the overdue person, but I agree this probably isn't Parks year. Yeah, but I'm going with Zoe Deschanel. I've been predicting her all season. As soon as I saw Bad in Bed, um, I thought she's got it in the bag. I'm really glad we caught that mistake, Tom. Because uh, she definitely wouldn't have won if Max Greenfield's tape had been what the voters had seen. And I would have looked like an idiot for having predicted her all year because we would have never found out that they didn't get to see that episode. But yeah, I think it's a really, really strong tape. And the fact that they're going to now probably, a lot of the voters are going to be seeing that tape last is probably only going to help her more. I would guess, unless they just can't be bothered to put it in. You've, you've gone to Zoe, Tom, so um, I think at one point I was the only editor picking Zoe. I think now there might be three, so 
few people jumping on the band, jumping on my bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, well, you're a trailblazer, kid. Are we? Yeah. We're always stealing your predictions. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, I think Zoe all the way. Uh, I got a chance to chat with her this Emmy season. Um, talked to her about her tape. Uh, she felt pretty good about her submission too. She should definitely thank us if she wins. I definitely agree with you. Well, she, I, she won't, of course, because she won't think of it. But I'll be backstage, Marcus and I, our fellow editor, yeah. and we'll pounce on her when she gets up to the, the microphone. Yeah. And I'll say, uh, just, hey, Zoe, uh, you didn't thank old Derby in your acceptance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see what she says. She'll be on. Uh, the cameras will be rolling when she's up on the platform in the back of the press room. So. Okay, good. Yeah, we'll get we'll get something. We'll something. nail her. Oh, that's good. By pounce on her, you mean like just like ask a question, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I thought I would physically pounce on her. Yeah, yeah mark right it down. In front yeah. of the world press. Right? <laughs> tackle, tackle Zoe. Well, that would make another gold derby headline. <laughs> Tom, yeah. Tom and Marcus from, about, yeah. <laughs> from Gold Derby tackle Zoe Deschanel at the Emmys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. It'd be something fair to write a song about. So, let's let's now move over to the big comedy race, comedy series. The the big one they're all talking about. Okay, here are the shows, Jonathan, that nominate for best comedy series. Modern Family, Girls, The Big Bang Theory, Kerber Enthusiasm, Veep, and 30 Rock. Aren't these the best six comedies on TV? <laughs> Why have they spelled It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia as Modern Family? It's a significant typo, Matt. Yeah. It's not even close to how that's supposed to be spelled. <laughs> I'm looking at these. There's a, there's a couple that are jumping out at me, which are Curb and Veep. These are by far my favourite two in the category. I like 30 Rock, but I think it's sort of had its its time at the Emmys. I uh, can't stand Big Bang Theory. I know the Emmys like Modern Family, but I don't. Girls, it has a lot of buzz. People seem to like Lena Dunham, what she's trying to do there at HBO, but I didn't really go with it. it. For me, it has to be between Curb and Veep. Veep is kind of the new show. It has a lot of people talking, people like Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Curb's been around for a while. Could be due. Mm-hmm. Um... I thought it was one of the strongest seasons. You thought it was one of the weakest seasons. So I'm not sure what the consensus is, what its chance of uh, of winning is. I think I'll be rooting for Curb, but I'm going to predict Veep. You're predicting Veep to upset Modern Family? Yeah. Okay. Tom, what do you think about this lineup? Oh, I think Modern Family wins by default because there's nothing else to beat it. No show emerged this year with the the cachet and the, the critics' appeal and the Nielsen ratings needed to take it down. Veep could. I, I, I could see that. It, it aired right at the uh, during the peak part of the Emmy voting, at least the, uh, the end of May, first part of June, when the ballots went out for uh, the first round of Emmy voting. And Curb, of course, was a million years ago. And, um, but Curb could win. Uh, you know, Curb has lost, I think, four times in the past. But uh, we've seen shows like Barney Miller is a case of where came back in its sixth or seventh year and finally won. Uh, we, we can't write it off completely. And in a weak year like this, and it's very weak, this category, Curb could pull up an upset. And I think just by default, you just go with Modern Family because, look, 30 Rock won three years in a row in this category. Frazier won five years in a row in this category. We just saw Mad Men win four years in a row on the drama side. I think this suggests that we'll see three years in a row for Modern Family. Yeah. Um, just great. 
Kerb has actually lost this race six times already. Wow. Yeah, it's been in a lot. Like, um, Which season didn't get nominated? The first. Mm. Yeah, so I think it just took a year to get on the radar sort of thing. I don't think it was a the weaker season necessarily. Yeah. Um, Jonathan, you've alluded to a bit that you're not the biggest modern family fan in the world, correct? Correct. A lot of my friends love modern family. They're always going on about how funny it is and... You know, how it's a nice callback to sitcoms of the past with a sort of new edgy style, how they film it and stuff. Jonathan, what, why don't you like Modern Family? What's wrong with Modern Family in your mind? I just don't think it's that clever or witty. I think it resorts to a lot of cheap humour. I think you have Sofia Vergara just screeching and yelling in Spanish and mispronouncing words. And it's not really that funny. A lot of the sort of uh, humour around sort of the gay issues I think is a little it's a little weak, it's a little easy. I think the the only characters really that like interesting bring something different to the show is Ty Burrell. And I guess occasionally you get some odd kind of funny things from the children, but it's and I don't know people like Joey Bowen, I just found grading. It's just not my thing. I just I've given it quite a few episodes and I still can't come around to the show. Mm. Yeah, are you a big modern family fan, Tom? No, no, I've never understood the love for that show. I think it's so smug and thinks it's so cool, and it's not. And I agree with absolutely everything Jonathan said. It's not witty. There's no genuine humor in this show. And uh, it is it is offensive on so many levels. That whole <laughs> Sofia Vergara thing, she's married to this old troll, but yet she loves him so much. And then she just, <laughs> Jonathan said, just mispronounces words, and that's supposed to be funny. It's really lame and insulting and I don't know why everyone's just carrying on about it, but they are, and they still, it's still politically incorrect to say a bad thing about it in Hollywood. Oh, well, Screen Verdict podcast, the most politically incorrect <laughs> podcast but in it's Hollywood. Not politically, yes, it's not politically incorrect to say this in Australia, oh, so okay. that's why I feel safe bashing it on your podcast. Okay, well, this is, we've got an international following, Tom, yeah, the Screen That's how the internet podcast. works, okay. Tom, so yeah. don't feel too safe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and well, then please edit out all those remarks. <laughs> I think we get more downloads from America than Australia on our podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm probably the biggest modern family fan here on the panel. Um, I think it's okay. <laughs> I think it's... it's Every now and then I laugh when watching it and I don't really mind it, but I do find it fairly repetitive and uh, not that clever. So there you go. That's the most positive <laughs> review we have Modern Family. I again think Ty Burrell is great. I do love him in the show and some of the kids are sometimes pretty good too. Last year, I think you made the claim, Jonathan, that The Big Bang Theory is the worst show on TV or something like Like, is that what you think? Quite, it's definitely the worst show to at least be taken remotely seriously by anyone. What's so bad about Big Bang Theory? I just can't stand how smart they think the show is and that they think this is a show for nerds. Like, oh, you've got to be clever. They've created this lie, this mystique where you have to be clever to enjoy the show. But it's so broad. It's so dumbed down. They're just laughing at nerds and big words as opposed to clever jokes for nerds. I don't really like the show either. So... <laughs> <laughs> you just roll me up for yeah, no just reason. Yeah, just get you on a rant. Okay, drama supporting actor. We've got Giancarlo Esposito from Breaking Bad, Jared Harris from Mad Men, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad, Peter Dinklage, Game of Thrones, 
Brandon Coyle, Downton Abbey, and Jim Carter, Downton Abbey. That is not, Tom, I believe, the former president of the United States <laughs> nominated in this category. Well, no. thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so glad the confusion is dispelled. Well, people listening, they don't, they don't get the little thumbnail and stuff. Maybe they would have thought, oh, Jimmy Carter, he's in Downton Abbey. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> Tom, do you wanna, what do you think about this field? Well, we can forget the Downton guys because, of course, they don't really do anything emotionally on that show. The stiff upper lip British stuff is uh, a detriment in this category. Peter Dinklage uh, you know, had this big drunken soliloquy last year where he ended up winning. This year, all he does is he stands on the, uh, the barricades up there while they're trying to break into his castle. And this is actually a line from the episode where he says, Let's fuck them up the ass, fellas. These are brave boys. Let's kill them. <laughs> now, that's the caliber of dialogue you get uh, on this uh, episode. It's, uh, Could be the so delivery, Tom. <laughs> it's, oh, it's all the delivery. Okay. So, uh, forget, forget that. It, uh, what's interesting is that we know that the critics have loved Giancarlo Esposito. He's been the cool cat of the year. But his episode isn't that dynamic. He's kind of a, you know, uh, cool, smoldering kind of villain. And he's very good and he could win here. But I think it's between Jared Harris and Aaron Paul. And what's interesting about that is, is uh, as we know, Mad Men has never won an acting award and has never lost Best Series. And so I think what's going to happen here is, of all things, the, the actor who's finally going to win for Mad Men will be somebody who just walked through the show this year, Jared Harris. Uh, Aaron Paul's episode of Breaking Bad is very theatrical. He's got the gun to Brian Cranston's head. He's screaming. It's all that big over the top stuff. But Jared Harris is so haunting. I just I think that's the one that gets you. Okay, Jonathan. Uh, I know you checked out Jared Harris's tape and you've seen Breaking Bad in Game of Thrones. What did you think of uh, these uh, contenders? I'm glad you left out the Downton Abbey guys because I was extremely indifferent to their inclusion in the category. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Peter Dinklage. I loved him last year. I really wanted him to win. I was so happy when he did. I think his tape this year is not as good. It's not as strong. And I think it might be hard for him to go back-to-back. I love Breaking Bad. I think Giancarlo Esposito's performance is solid, but it didn't really grab me the way Aaron Paul's tape did. I loved his performance. I think that was a great, great episode for him. I know he won, was it two years ago? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I think he can maybe repeat that. I think it could be Breaking Bad's year this year. Nope. If, if the if they get behind Breaking Bad in, in a series category, it could help Aaron Paul here. Jared Harris's episodes, I quite liked him. I, I thought it was something interesting, uh, quite different. And I think it would be quite funny if he were to break the streak for Mad Men. But uh, I'm going to go with Aaron Paul. Okay. Well, uh, and who are you going with again, Tom? I'm going with Jared Harris. Okay, well, I'm going with Giancarlo Esposito for Breaking Bad. It's, uh, wow. Yeah, we're all going differently here. Um, I, th- I think he's the big villain of the season. Um, I think people like voting for the villains, <laughs> like voting for the bad guys. I think he's got a really good tape. I think he pops over to Aaron Paul's and does a bit of uh, good stuff too. So I think that will all uh, equal a Giancarlo win. And he's probably the person I'd like to see win as well. Um yeah, so let's move along to supporting actress in a drama series. You've got Maggie Smith, Downton Abbey, Christina Hendricks, Mad Men, Joanne Froggett, Downton Abbey, Anna Gunn, Breaking Bad, 
and then Christine Baranski from The Good Wife and Archie Punjabi from The Good Wife. Jonathan. Initially, I'm really concerned that Maggie Smith might win because anytime I see her, I'm really worried that her face is going to fall off. Oh, no. <laughs> it's quite disturbing. I was not a fan of her in Downton Abbey. I thought in this quite kind of stoic sort of show where she is kind of the older sassy person that offers up these kind of sharp comments, snarky things. I just found really irritating and grating. I couldn't stand it. I wouldn't like to see John Froggett win either. Uh, as you know, I hate Skylar on Breaking Bad. I cannot stand Skylar in the show. So even though I love Breaking Bad and would like to see it do well elsewhere, not in this category, <laughs> I'm a little bit indifferent to The Good Wife, so I can't really be rooting for Bransky and Punjabi that much. I've got to go for Christina Hendricks. Whoa. Character of Joan has quite a lot to do this season. I think it's a good season for her. And I think perhaps more likely that Hendricks breaks the streak than uh, than Harris does okay. in supporting. Okay. Tom? Up until about a week ago, I had Christina Hendricks on top here. Her episode is The Other Woman. It's the one where she does sleep with the guy from uh, the Jaguar account and becomes a partner in the firm. And it's all centers around her, and yes, she could very well be the one to break the streak here. The problem is she's not very expressive. There's not one big dynamic emotional scene in that episode from her. That may not matter because I think Emmy voters watch this show. Clearly, uh, most of them do. So I think they have context uh, and a wide view here. So that fills in the gaps. Uh, Joanne Frogger really has the most emotionally showy role here of all because as the, uh, the wife of the butler being accused of murdering his ex-wife, she's always crying in the courtroom and boo-hoo-hooing in the back room under the stairs at the mansion and on and on and on. One of our editors clocked all her screen time and boo-hoo-hooing and clearly says she's out front in his view. But, but I'm going with Maggie Smith. I'm just thinking she's Maggie Smith, and she just automatically wins everything. She won in the category in supporting uh, actress last year when this was nominated in the... Uh, movie mini category, so just by default it's the same, Maggie. Okay, yeah. And um, Christina Hendricks, with her storyline, a lot of uh, the actors voting might be able to identify with her character. Uh, (laughs) 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 Sleeping with someone to get ahead in their profession, I don't know. Maybe that's in Hollywood. Are you saying that's happened in Hollywood? I wouldn't know. So you're you're in Hollywood. Does that happen? Never. Never. Oh, okay. Well, maybe they'll uh, be quite judgmental. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at this category. I'm not a huge Skylar fan from Breaking Bad either. Yeah, the Good Wife uh, girls do a good job, but not particularly excited about them. Uh, Joanne Froggett, just a lot of complaining. Uh, Maggie Smith. Um, I, I quite I quite like her on the show, Jonathan, because I feel like the show would be very dry and depressing without her witty sort of contributions. So I quite like her. But, yeah, Christina Hendricks, by far... I think gives the best performance in this category. Like, she should definitely win it. I'm worried about the Downton girls, I'm not going to lie. I think they could pose a bit of a threat. Downton obviously got a lot of nominations, but um, I'm going to stick behind uh, my mate Christina Hendricks <laughs> and hopefully uh, she can she can pull out, pull out a win for that great other woman tape. Let's go to lead... Actress. Let's do drama actress now. And the nominees for drama actress are Claire Danes Homeland, Juliana Margulies, The Good Wife, who was last year's winner, Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men, Michelle Dockery, Downton Abbey, Kathy Bates, Harry's Law, 
and Glenn Close damages. Tom, what do you think of these? Well, Michelle Dockery's face never moves in Downton Abbey. So <laughs> <laughs> that's one of her charm, her icy. Forget that. Glenn Close, I hear, I didn't see her episode. They say it's great. I mean, it's not, it's not great. And Elizabeth Moss uh, also submitted the other woman, and she has these nice, defiant scenes where she says goodbye to um, Draper and the rest of it. Mm. But it's not it's not enough to win here. I don't think Juliana Margulies picked very well either. So I think no. she's out. But I do think Kathy Bates picked extraordinary well. We're all going with Claire Danes because her episode, of course, is the one where she goes off her meds. She's bipolar. She's all over the place. Boing, boing, boing. And so she gives this on-the-ceiling performance. I'm taking an emotional roller coaster ride. She's got it in the bag. But if there is an upset, it's going to come from Kathy Bates. Again, she's a fixture behind the scenes in Hollywood. She's part of every union, every event, every charity. And this episode is harrowing, really gripping. Uh, of course, David E. Kelly has won 38 Emmys for actors. Uh, Marcus tallied them up for us all. And this one is could be the 39th because it's, a, it's an episode where her uh, former ne'er-do-well husband, uh, shows up dead, and he's, she was married to him early on in life. She, uh, it was the love of her life, and he was a rascal drunk who, who ditched her. But yet nobody wants him now. He's destitute, and they want somebody to bury him and pay for the paper's funeral. And it's going to cost her $17,000, but she agrees to do it defiantly. And, of course, the memories come back. And one by one, the members of the firm console her, She's trying to hide this, uh, but at the end of the episode, she's in this cemetery at night saying goodbye to him at the stone, this really hokey scene of where one by one the, the people from her firm walk up to her and give her hugs and this music playing. But it's very effective, and it's very powerful. So I think she's a threat here, but I think Claire Danes is out front. Yeah, Jonathan. Danes versus Bates with others in the mix. <laughs> What do you think of that? Well, I love Glenn Close, but I think Damages is a little bit off the radar at this point at the Emmys. I'm not as sold on Kathy Bates. I'm not a huge, huge fan of her performance. Uh, again, indifferent to Downton Abbey. Uh, I really like Elizabeth Moss in Mad Men, but I don't think this is really a lead performance. It's not quite strong enough, I think, to take out this category. Not quite enough screen time, showy enough to win. Uh, not a fan of Julia Margulies in The Good Wife. I think Claire Danes takes this easily. I think she was really great in Homeland, has a particularly strong tape, takes this hands down. Yeah, I, I'm going with Danes too. Tom, what would the reaction be in Hollywood or, or like even just amongst people, the media, <laughs> the press, if Kathy Bates won this category? They'll be furious. You'd be here screaming from the... Uh... The TV critics would be disastrous for the Emmys. They would be mocked and ridiculed. <laughs> yeah, because they got a bad enough rap when James Spader uh, won. For the third time, for yeah. For the third time. And that was a pretty good, like, he's pretty good, James Spader, on that show. Like, that, that's, yeah, uh, but even he admitted when he accepted the Emmys, how, how, how do I keep winning this? I don't even know how they're bestowed. <laughs> well, he, he keeps winning it because he was the greatest drama TV character of the past 12 years, according to our screen verdict <laughs> drama series oh, character God. rank. Yeah. Let's go um, lead actor in a drama series and the contenders are uh, Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad, 
Damien Lewis from Homeland, John Hamm from Mad Men, Hugh Bonneville from Downton Abbey, Steve Buscemi, Boardwalk Empire, and Michael Seahall from Dexter. Tom. Only two of these are even in the race. It's Brian Cranston versus Damien Lewis. Lewis submitted the finale, the season finale of Homeland, 90 minutes, very intense. Some of our editors are betting on Lewis, but I think they're fools. I think Cranston is Shakespearean in his performance in the Crawl Space episode of Breaking Bad, where he's at the end there and he finds out that Skylar's given away their money and he bursts into this hyena laugh of, of just... Uh, you know, just craziness, of lunacy, and uh, he's never lost this category. He's three for three, so I'm betting on Cranston. Yeah, they uh, yeah they tossed uh, Kyle Chandler a, a bone last year when Brian Cranston was out of the race, um, and now he might come back to win it again. Jonathan, thoughts? I think this is a real strong category. I think uh, with uh, John Hamm and Steve Buscemi there, this category is well represented. It seems like it's between Brian Cranston and Damian Lewis. It seems like no one's talking about Homeland to win series, so it would be strange to me if it won lead actor and lead actress, but not series. Mm. I, I like Damian Lewis' performance, but I think Brian Cranston has won this three times in a row, and I think this is perhaps the best performance of the four. So I too would be surprised if Cranston didn't win. I'm, I'm picking him. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going with Cranston too. I think it's a great performance. I'm a bit worried that they're not going to want to give him four in a row and it will go to Lewis, but I think uh, Cranston could, uh, could have this in the bag, the uh, annual Brian Cranston Award. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'd like him to win too. I'd probably vote for Brian Cranston. I think it's a great take. Now, drama series, here are the nominated shows. You got Mad Men, Breaking Bad, Downton Abbey, Homeland, Game of Thrones, Boardwalk Empire. Downton Abbey was the big surprise of these uh, nominations. Not that it got into drama series, but just how many nominations it picked up, getting uh, six actors in and all, all that sort of thing. Jonathan, you've just watched Downton Abbey for the first time this week. What did you think? I think Downton Abbey looks nice. You've got the costumes. I think it's shot quite well, but... It's so boring. It's so lightweight. It's so empty. The the dramatic tension just comes from nothing. It comes from very simple plot, like, oh, you walk in on these two people. Oh, this person's betraying. It's a bit soap opera-ish. I think it's quite shallow, and I don't understand the critical acclaim for it. Tom, you're a fan of the show, aren't you? What do you, what do you think? Yeah, would, you, would you please lean over and smack the shit out of John? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Downton Abbey is a masterpiece of television. All right, make him watch it again. Because they're not they're they're not quibbling over over nothing. This is really really great television. And what I find fascinating about this race is, I know full disclosure that Matt confess right now you don't want Mad Men to win because it would surpass the West Wing's record. <laughs> it's it's currently tied for four wins with. Uh, uh, the West Wing and uh, Hill Street Blues and L.A. Law. I think that Breaking Bad has such passionate fans. It could, it's a real contender in this race, too. And I think Homeland, while it can't win, has a huge, strong core following as well. So that means there are four of these six that are really in this race, and you don't need that many votes to win. So where, so I'm going with Mad Men simply because if it's won four times with, uh, with huge chunks of votes where it only had really one rival... With three rivals, it needs far fewer to go, uh, and it could win. The, the, the problem with this theory is Downton Abbey, that 
they are such insufferable snobs at these awards across Hollywood, especially the British stuff, that when you look in the category of best movie, miniseries at the Emmys, when British stuff is nominated against Americans, the British stuff almost always wins. And in the case of, of Emmy history on the drama series side, if you look back, you know, Downton Abbey really is upstairs, downstairs. It's just a complete ripoff of that old 1970s classic. And that show, going back at the Emmys in the 70s, experienced the same exact path that Downton Abbey has, which is it's been pushed back and forth between miniseries and drama series at the Emmys. And you know what? Back in the 1970s, wherever they put upstairs, downstairs, it never lost. Mm. And last year, Downton Abbey won Best Miniseries. Here it is for Drama Series. It just surprised everyone with its number of nominations. And I'm telling you, they love the show in Hollywood. Uh, it's possible we could see an upset here. What, what's the deal with Downton Abbey? Like, I don't get the critical acclaim. I would think if this is not set in olden days England, like, it is like just like a soap opera. Like, I, I, I don't know why this has got such a big critical acclaim, this show. God, I, I need someone to smack the shit out of you too. I'm not going to do it. Uh, you guys just—you guys have just got to wake up and, and realize that you don't have the gene to appreciate this show. That's all there is to it. Yeah, <laughs> and I while just... we all agree that Modern Family is overrated, yeah, uh, you—you just you know need to check into a loony bin for a while, get those, those brain cells uh, worked on, and pop then go back with, and watch uh, this again. Pop in with uh, Carrie from uh, Homeland. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, I think Breaking Bad's got this in the bag. Um, well, maybe not that much, but I, I think the like Breaking Bad will win this year. I think. Look, it's overdue. It's the most critically acclaimed show on there. Uh, the Emmys have been uh, giving it more nominations and uh, more nominations every single year. This year it was its best year in terms of nominations, and they were airing new episodes that were getting great reviews and great buzz during Emmy voting. Thing is all adding up for Breaking Bad this year, and it's going to finally break through. I could be wrong. I'm worried about Mad Men winning that fifth Tom. Um, well, what's what's could be wrong with your theory is Breaking Bad doesn't have the snob appeal. Well, you're Look right. at the West Wing and L.A. Law. And, uh, you know, all the shows that the practice that keep winning here are all these uppity shows with class and. This, it's, it's, it's the elitism of the Emmys, and that's the problem with Breaking Bad. It's about a bunch of crystal meth slime balls and thugs, and that's the problem. They've given it a lot of win, like a lot of acting wins, and Aaron Paul broke through last time, and just it seems to be have sort of not the snob appeal in terms of what the show's about, but maybe the snob appeal in like this is the cool show, this is the show I want to say I'm voting for, sort of thing. Yeah, just one best drama series from the TV Critics Association. It is loved in that way. It, it is the the snob choice uh, answer to give when people say, "What what is your favorite drama series when you're traveling around Hollywood? So it does answer that snob issue that way. It could happen. I absolutely believe you could be right. Okay. Mm. So tough field. Jonathan, who are you going for in this race? I don't think we've even mentioned perhaps my two favorite shows in the category, Game of Thrones and Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. Now, I know Game of Thrones doesn't appeal to everyone, and I don't think this season was as strong as its first, so I'm not picking it, but I yeah. thought it deserved to mention. Boardwalk Empire, I think, is the best drama on TV. What? I don't understand why more people aren't behind it. I've heard people say it's slow, this and that. How I don't understand how it's slow compared to a show like Mad Men. Like, in the first episode of this season of Boardwalk Empire, we have 
a whole distillery like mowed down with a machine gun by the Ku Klux Klan. We've got two of the main characters get sent to jail. We've got a political coup against Nucky. I think lots of things happen in this show, and I would be voting for it to win. I know I'm alone there, so I'm not going to pick it, but uh, that's what I would be doing. Yeah. I think... Mad Men I've rubbished repeatedly on the podcast. I think nothing ever happens on Mad Men. I've gave up her after season two, and I've just picked at it since then. Season five, though, I did think, for me, it got a little bit more interesting. So if it were to win, I don't think it should win five in a row, but this year I think it makes more sense than others. Mm. Breaking Bad, I don't think season four was actually its strongest, but a lot of people do, and I'm okay with that because... I really like Breaking Bad. I prefer it to Mad Men. And even though I didn't think this was its strongest season, as you said, Matt, it did have new episodes airing during this period, which people loved, and I think could give it the uh, the buzz to finally take out Mad Men. So Magnets, gonna... bitches. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to predict Breaking Bad. Okay. Very exciting. Um, well, Tom, thanks heaps for uh, joining in on our Emmy discussion this year. Yeah, it's been fun as usual. You guys are a lively combo to take on. Yeah. Well, we accidentally earlier this year got you in on a rivalry. We, you, when you guessed it on our Oscars podcast, uh, the ratings went through the roof. It was our most popular podcast ever. Wow, you had 17 or 18 viewers? (laughs) (laughs) Then we got, how many was it, Jonathan? I think it's up to about 300. About 300, 300 downloads. So, yeah, no, it did well. And then uh, we had another guest on later uh, later this year, Rob Sestanino, who was on the Survivor Amazon and Survivor All-Stars. We told him that you had been our top guest as far as ratings were concerned. So he said he was going to try and beat that. He said he wanted to beat Tom O'Neill. He said, oh, 300's nothing. We can beat that. And he succeeded. He got oh, up no. to he got up to about five six hundred downloads. Game of Thrones like, oh, podcast, six hundred downloads. Yeah, that was a Game of Thrones podcast too, so it got all the Game of Thrones fans <laughs> probably on board as well. But yeah, so now the the gauntlet is throwing down to you now, Tom. <laughs> the rivalry reunited between uh, Tom O'Neill uh, and Rob Sestanino. Well, you have to code this properly when you put it into iTunes and stuff with those keywords. You put yeah. You know, Game of Thrones will lose the Emmys. Game, just keep putting Game of Thrones Game in there th- just ten times. We'll, you know, and then, then we'll get eight million downloads. Yeah, we'll, tag, we'll tag Game of Thrones in it too to make it fit. We might use all the words we use to tag Rob's uh, <laughs> podcast and just put that in That's there good. to, and to make it a few fair. other things like pornography is a good word <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so hopefully, Tom, we'll get you posted on whether you can beat Rob Sestanino from Survivor uh, <laughs> with our podcast ratings. All right. Okay. All right, well, this is fun, guys. I got to dance yeah. off for another uh, uh, powwow on Skype. It was great oh. fun. And and my last final thought is, if you two beat me at the Emmys, God help you both. This is the last <laughs> effing podcast I'm ever doing. With <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what? Are, oh, my. Okay. Surely. Okay. See you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, there you go. That was Tom. Pretty keen to beat Rob Sestanino, I think. <laughs> That was good. Other than uh, Downton Abbey, I think he had less crazy opinions uh, than the Oscars podcast, <laughs> disliking Drive and all my favourite movies from yeah. that year. <laughs> uh, did, he, did he have any more thoughts on, like, what did, you, what did you think of the whole Mad Men, Other Woman episode? Because that was the big episode of the season for Mad Men in terms of, like, it was very controversial the next day. Everyone was talking about it. I liked it. I thought it was a good episode. I think you, with the 
them needing to get the Jaguar contract, so they're trying to come up with a creative pitch, but then one of them wants to sleep with Joan and the question of whether the partners will support that. And I think the way they sort of played that scene twice, the discussion between yes. Don Draper and, and Joan, and you got to see it from the two different contexts and be aware of what time things had just yeah. happened, I think worked really well. It's very powerful. My heart broke when I saw that the second time. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Do you think Joan made the right decision? Everyone was talking about Joan's decision the next day to sleep with the executive to help win the account. I don't think it's what I would have done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have slept with that guy. Oh, good. Uh, it was pretty disturbing in some ways to watch them. That's why it was, I think, such a good episode. It did make you feel uncomfortable. Don was the real hero in that episode in some ways. He was the one guy who was like trying to save her from making the decision. Yeah, I see that. I think partially that was a moral decision. I think partially that was pride that it wanted to be he wanted it to be the creative that got the yeah. out. So I don't think he's entirely <laughs> like a white knight. No. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I think he cares for Joan and didn't want her to do that and thought she might regret that. But, yeah, good point. Maybe he was just going, I'm Don Draper. I want to win us the account, not Joan. I don't want Joan to win us the account. And I actually loved the the creative pitch for that. That was a great But it wasn't thing. even him that came up with the tagline. Yeah, that was weird how Don Draper didn't come up with that tagline. He gave a good pitch, though. Yeah. That was like... All about the guy sleeping with Joan. And he goes, like, looked at that guy while he was giving it. Like, it was a bit like... <laughs> yeah, you really like Boardwalk Empire, don't you? I think it's great. Yeah, not much happens. That's just outrageous. <laughs> no, like, I don't know. Like, I just find it a bit all over the place. What we liked about Game of Thrones was kind of like that political teams mm. waging, where it's yeah. like waging war against yeah. each other. Yeah. In Boardwalk Empire, you have the different gangs. You've got... Uh, John Torrio, you've got Nucky's group, you've got Arnold Rothstein in New York. I think the dynamics there are really interesting. Chalky White, who plays Omar Little, you know I love from The Wire. Yeah. Uh, like Jimmy coming up. Oh, you've got such great side characters like Richard, the guy with the mask, with the war injuries. Yeah. I just, I just think all the elements are there. But at the same time, you know Nucky's going to be at the head of things and everything. I think you need to watch season two. Oh, okay. <laughs> so very interesting stuff goes down. Yeah, but like, I feel like, like you know it's all about Nucky Boardwalk Empire. Game of Thrones can change who it's about. He is more of a lead than there is in Game of Thrones. Yeah. But I think you don't know what's going to happen. I think you'll be surprised at what can happen. Okay. But there isn't dragons and stuff in Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, well, if we're judging is the best show on TV the one with dragons, that's a fairly narrow criteria <laughs> that you've created. I was saying dragons makes Game of Thrones a bit more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't have guns in Game of Thrones. Maybe guns makes Boardwalk Empire more interesting. I think dragons over guns. Yeah. <laughs> but is Game of Thrones... The, is, like, oh, okay, I'm, from now I'm only going to watch shows with dragons, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'll watch games, I'll watch shows with guns, like I watch, like Breaking Bad has guns, I'll watch that. Yeah, and I got to speak to uh, Richard Harrow. Awesome, that guy is the shiz. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Had a little dog with him while I was interviewing him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
like below the screen though, so then he's like playing with it with his head. <laughs> Are you sure it was a dog? <laughs> yeah. He... <laughs> yeah, he picked it up. He picked it up. Do you know what we didn't do um, in the podcast that we did last year in the Emmy podcast? The Screw Mary Kills. Yeah, just off off the top of my head, the Maggie Maggie Smith category. That would have been an easy one. <laughs> okay, Screw Mary Kill. I would marry Christina Hendricks, and I kind of want to kill everyone else. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. You kill Maggie Smith. Yeah. Because she's lived a good life. Like, <laughs> she's... It's kind. You kill Anna Gunn, because she plays Skylar White. <laughs> like, I'm going off characters, not um, actors, by yeah. the way. I'm going off characters. Like, and then you just got four... Um, I'd definitely marry Christina Hendricks because I love Joan. She's a great character. And I think she's got a good heart and things, and she's also good looking. I'd probably then also marry Christine Baranski from The Good Wife because she's pretty smart and nice and things. She's a bit you old. Two wives. You got to marry to kill two and screw. Yeah, two. I feel like it's easier to kill and screw multiple people as opposed to marry yeah. multiple people. That's just how the game works. Okay, it's not like. I'm really marrying these two people. <laughs> and then you screw Joanne Froggart and Archie Punjabi. They're two pretty good-looking characters. You always prefer to screw people than to kill people. I've always just, like, kill these people. So you're just going to kill four, five of them and marry <laughs> Christina Hendricks? Yeah, because I'm a moral guy. I don't sleep around. I don't have multiple wives. I just have one wife, and then I kill everyone else because I'm a good guy. That's not a good guy. I don't get that at all. So um, we'll do we'll do the rest of those off the record. <laughs> so there you go, the Emmy Awards. Are you excited for the Emmy Awards? I am. Also the drama categories. Some of the drama categories I'm pretty pumped to see who wins. I've got some people that I'm rooting for pretty heavily. I'm pretty excited for Breaking Bad this year to win Emmys. Like I'd really like to see that win Emmys. Um, obviously it'd be great to see Homeland win a lot too. We love the Homeland. Yep. Homeland's a great show. Thanks to all the people for downloading all our Homeland podcasts. It's now our most popular podcast. Overtake a game Overtake. of Thrones. Yeah, move over Tom O'Neill and Rob Sestanino. Just me and Jonathan talking about Homeland's what the people like the most. Okay, guys, the Emmy Awards are September 23, Sunday, September the 23rd in America. So if you live in the US, that's the night to be watching the Emmys on ABC. In Australia, that will be sometime Monday morning afternoon, so of the 24th. Yeah. So check your uh, Foxtel listings and things. Yeah. So there's our thoughts, our favourites, our predictions for all the yeah. big categories at the Emmys. Mm. And uh, we look forward to them and see how we do, see whether yes. they win. See who gets the most rights of uh, you, me and Tom. Hopefully Tom wins so he comes back on our podcast. <laughs> uh, we'll also, uh, our first podcast after the Emmys, we'll give a quick recap of how we thought they went mm. in housekeeping. So that's the podcast. Hope yeah. you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, see ya. Bye.